Wagwan, Chris Black. Wagwan. <clears throat> Jason, how are you, bro? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling on time. I'm feeling like I'm well-rested, worked out, showered, and shaved, ready to go. That's interesting that you say that because... Uh-oh. <clears throat> well... I want to blow open your third eye a little bit to start this podcast, Jason, because I... Chris, first of all, you've been mentioning the phrase third eye a lot in the last week or so, and the uh, the TJ effect seems to be in effect, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> Unfor- we'll more on that later. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we do spend too much time together, even if it's virtually. You're welcome. You know, I was, you know, scrolling the timeline, and um, I wanted to read you a little passage from a poet and a thought leader, a fellow named Omarion. God damn it. <laughs> someone someone I lovingly refer to as Maybach O. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he Do you said, think he's, he is, asked, he's not still Maybach, is he? I don't know what the status actually it's an interesting question to the status of Maybach music because I mean Yeah, I feel like he would be like, Hey, yo, Ross, I just wanted to make sure, like, am I still down? Am I still Maybach <laughs> O? And and Rick Ross is like yeah, bro. What? A, yeah, kid. Whatever, man. Like, I think you're hotly anticipating the next Stolly release. You know, as we mentioned on this podcast. So that's absolutely what you're, not. That's what you're checking for. But, 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 poet, rapper, singer. Uh, you know, auxiliary lo- love and hip hop uh, cast member Omarion asked the question on Twitter: Would you still use the word bless if you knew the word broke down to be less? <laughs> Bro, that's some fucking burst. That what that reminds me. I mean, Omarion, you know, he's 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 in his 30s for sure, maybe mid 30s. He's probably about the same age as you, huh? I feel like he's probably my age uh or or uh, Omarion know, is is 36 years old and he he's 56 according to Google, so that means his real ooh, height is 54. That's he can't be that short, can he? Maybach O oh, pulling up for the child's menu at that height. That's crazy. You know, you know when you type in someone's. We're gonna get to this somewhere. When, when you type in somebody's name, uh, or like anything at all into Google, and then it'll say people also ask. Yes, and yes, the very yes, first yes, question yes. <laughs> for Omarion's. When you type in Omarion into Google, the very first question just says, "Who is Omarion wife?" They don't even use the apostrophe s. Well, his wife. I don't know if he's married, but he he was. He has a baby with a little baddie. I believe her name is um, uh, April Jones. April Jones. She spells her name A P R Y L. And she, a low, a low APR financing with available <laughs> with April. April is let me who April's a certified baddie. This is the first time that April has entered the TJ zone. Damn, she better Omaria better be checking his back then, because Big TJ come for Mister Steal Your Girl. Yeah, um, it's not above me to to take Omarion chick. <laughs> is, you couldn't take Trey Songs, but Omarion, I think you could take. But he, so he, but but hold on, before we get back to the tweet, their son's name is Mega with two A's. M E G A A. Yeah, which is truly something. I'm reading this right now. It's it's truly a word I've never seen. That that sounds before. like a website I used to download MP3s from. <laughs> the that's, fuck? That's, 
the fuck? But Mega upstairs now. Beautiful child. Honestly, they're they're a beautiful couple. I, I believe they're they're unfortunately separated. But um, mm, anyway, such is the life of a short king, Jason. But this the question has still not been answered. Will you continue to use the word bless, <laughs> knowing knowing now because you can't forget this, knowing now that it breaks down to be less. No. What is your answer, Chris? Chris, I me as a, a now a newfound grustler, I'm forced to abandon using the word bless. Effective immediately. <laughs> Effective immediately, Chris. <laughs> DJ Them Jeans will not be yeah. using the term bless. Please let all our sponsors know. A transition that will not come easily, as you know, that is a common word in, in my lexicon on a day-to-day basis. So it's going to be a struggle these next 48 hours. Um, I, I'm going to have I, to get I a like, little a little swear jar set up in the kitchen. Because you're one of those guys that likes to start his text messages or conversations by saying peace. And then ending it with bless. So this is going to be a pro- this is going to be a problem for your your kind of speech patterns and what we're yeah, used to. Yeah, I don't if- know how I'm going to have to re. You know, like we were listening yesterday on on Dashboard Confessionals episode. He had to relearn how to play guitar. I'm going to have to relearn how to ask people what their phone number is. By I can no longer say send me your math comma bless. I'm going to have to do <laughs> an entirely new game plan. And you know, the old heads out there, this is this is tough tough for us. This this is going to be tough, and and I um I'm here for you. I just want to let you know. And there's there's so much stuff going on right now in this beautiful world. And and you know, um first and foremost, I want to give a big congratulations to uh fan of the show Halsey on her pregnancy. <laughs> um, she she is she is she just announced somebody her knocked those halls out. The halls somebody of knocked, medicine. Uh, Halsey is pregnant. Uh, she she tagged her boyfriend, screenwriter Alev Aiden. Uh, wait, as, wait, wait, wait. His father. name is Alev. Yeah, that's worse than Mega. That's that's worse than Mega. Yeah, so I Mega. Agree. That's the site where I downloaded my MP3s from a Russian <laughs> bot server, and then Halsey's baby daddy is the name of a lotion that you can only buy at Walgreens. <laughs> That's true. He apparently is a screenwriter. I sent you guys a picture of him yesterday. He looks a little <laughs> bit like a guy who like had an album cut on a Post Malone song. You, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> my, he might he might have gotten a verse on a Post Malone song. Um, he was wearing a vintage Budweiser tee with his AirPods in for the shot. AirPod Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he's not poor like me. Yeah, but ladies, ladies, if he sends you a selfie wearing a, a distressed Budweiser tee that cost more than $300, the large kind of aviator style glasses with a clear with a clear lens, the kind of lens that you would see um, Justin Bieber's spiritual advisor who recently got taken down. RIP Pastor Carl. Yeah, Pastor Carl glasses plus the AirPods in the selfie. Do not fuck with that man. <clears throat> but you know who did who learned that the hard way is Big Halsey. But luckily, mm-hmm. Halsey got her own. Halsey got her own money. Oh yeah. You know her hair is done. Her nails are done. She's good to go. But congratulations to Halsey on the pregnancy. Um, Halsey's about to have her own money um, divided by two in about in about exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's very months. it's very true. But shout out to shout out to Halsey and, and shout out to the whole the, the whole family. Her whole family. You yeah. Know what I mean? Well, and, yeah. And, I mean, I definitely look at her. With a with a fresh set of eyes, and I'm going to be listening to her music in a whole new way, knowing that she's about to be a mother. I, I think so too. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to stop her from doing coke on a yacht, or maybe it won't. <laughs> Depends. I mean, it really just comes down to how cool is she actually going to be? You know, is she going to do just a bit of Charlie? I got. I got to be honest. I like Halsey. I don't even know why. I, I just. I, I think it's. I might. Well, well any- speaking of. Sorry to step on you, but speaking of the joke I was just making, maybe you like Halsey because she's sort of 
fill the void that your number one, Lily Allen, has has left. Now that she's entered her sober journey, Halsey's been there to do those lines on those yachts. And it's, now it's a great, with, it's a great point. It's with a great motherhood point. looming. First of all, congratulations to known uh, Chris Black Instagram follower Lily Allen on mm-hmm. 18 months of so um, 18 months of sobriety. Um, I'm celebrating with her. Uh, and uh, it means a lot to me. Unfortunately, Halsey virtually, virtually celebrating. She doesn't know that, but I'm I'm letting you guys know that. I'm sure uh, she's been getting your letters. I'm sure. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Uh, MTV stand sample. We're gonna insert there. <laughs> um, but I, I think the Eminem, not MTV. But I think that um, sure. I think the problem is that that Halsey isn't cool. And I don't really that's know right. any of her songs. I don't, I don't, I don't, that's the beauty of today is that Halsey could be one of the biggest artists in the world and I can't name a song. And, mm-hmm. but I know, she, but I know that she's pregnant and she's wildly, wildly famous and you can't go anywhere without seeing her. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. Yeah. She's like if Rita Ora was famous. Yeah. But she got slaps. Rita Ora ain't never had a slap. No one knows a Rita Ora song. I don't know either. The world knows Halsey songs. No one in the world knows a Rita Ora song. <laughs> I don't think anyone even knows those Halsey songs either. Yeah, they do. No, they do. Okay. They do because Halsey songs are on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know that Rita Rita Ora <laughs> Rita Ora smashed your boy Calvin Harris. Shout out to Calvin Harris. Big shout out to Calvin no, Harris. No, 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 no. Look, we're still recovering from that, okay? I know. I because that could have been you, because your your ass looks like a taller, less buff version of him. I'm not interested in in betting Rita Ora, <laughs> okay? I I I look. I understand. I think you're lying, but that's fine. I, I'll I, take a I'll take a pick at a meet and greet, but that's about it, Chris. <laughs> I'll take. I mean, look, she's my favorite um, Albanian princess. No hover hand. Who's the be- Who's the Who's the number one Albanian princess? Who else is there? I believe. I believe, Jason. It's your girl, Dua. Dua. Yes. I mean, how the so, fuck do you compare Rita Ora and Dua? That's a goddamn. That's a Model Y and a Kia Soul. <laughs> Uh, you know revving up on the quarter mile act like do not act like you're a car guy all of a sudden okay i don't like that comparison i don't like that you just i can do any other analogy if you want no i know you can can. we can do this all you're very talented that's like you know the finding out the sustainability and nutritional benefits (laughs) of a sweet green salad versus an arby's five for five roast beef combo Oh God! Okay, thank you. That brought me back down because I heard. Uh-huh. You know what? I bet Rita Ora's G wagon does smell like Arby's, though. No cap. <laughs> that's, that's that. That's that's true. Rita Ora pull up to Primrose Hill in the white on white Coke G wagon with the Arby's stinking in the. Hon- I mean, seat. honestly, that's the that's the one thing that's got me interested in Rita. <laughs> you're like, Dude. Hey baby, while you're out, can you pick up? Can you pick up a five for five for me? I'm not yet. Mm. I'm gonna keep. I'm. I'm. The Manchester United's playing, so I'm not gonna get up. The trolley is absolutely reeking of horsey sauce. <laughs> the, the trolley, um, mate. God damn it, that's funny as fuck. Uh, but quickly, before we get to our guests, I need to give a shout out to to Chadwick, my barber in Atlanta, at Trophy Room Barbershop. I got my last haircut in ATL today, and I gotta say, it's looking crispy as hell. Oh, man. okay, we're lined up. We're lined up for the troops, aren't we, Chris? I, I had to get, I had to do it to him. I went a little shorter, you know what I'm saying? Just because I don't know when the next cut's going to be. Thank God, though, friend of the show, How Gavin. How short Newsom, can you go? Your your hair bro, it's, is it's, already bro, a damn eighth of an inch tall. Nah, you got to fade it up. He he knows what to do. Honestly, I got more. I mean, I got more stubble on my manscaped trimmed genitalia than you, Chris. Don't do that because manscaped the the check did clear, but it wasn't as big as it should have been. So anyway, <laughs> we, we do it. 
We do. Uh, we do have a on. guest today. Mm-hmm. We do have a guest today. Uh, Emily Siegel is her name. Uh, she's a founding member of the Art Collective K Hole, which is a trend forecasting group. Uh, you may have heard of the little term Normcore. That's her and her people. Trend forecasting is her is her bag, though. Trend forecasting, which is really interesting to me, actually. And the clients are big. I mean, she's working for our shout out to Virgil, our dog, mm. True Religion. Buffy, MTV, Art Basel, but uh, her her debut. She no- does what we do, except she gets money for it. Exactly, yeah, because she went to Brown and we went to high school. Um, but <laughs> she, uh, her debut novel, Mercury Retrograde, is out now. Um, the mm-hmm. New York Times new and noteworthy book pick for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems autobiographical, you know what I mean? But let's get into it with her. And I, you know, I want to hear about some fucking trends, TJ. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. I'm I'm horny for trends right now, and I'm ready to hear most of them, if not all of them. So let's get into it. Can't wait to get into it. Let's give her a fucking jingle, TJ. Wicked. What's good? How are you, Emily? I'm pretty good. <laughs> okay. Did you... How much money have you made on on the stock market just today? Mm-hmm. Zero. Um, mm. I'm not into stocks, although that's probably... Stocks are trending right now. You do know that. Stocks are trending. It's actually... I had a kind of turnaround because I was very, very bored and irritated by how much stock market talk was on my mm-hmm. Twitter feed yesterday, and it was making me feel frust- frustrated, tired, and sad. And then speak on it, girl. I, yeah, speak on it, please. Air out your grievances here on how long gone. I had a conversation with a friend and collaborator of mine yesterday evening who is in the game, and then I looked at it a little bit more closely, and now I'm actually more interested because I think it's revealing so many inconsistencies in the system that need to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And the, system, the system as a whole, not the financial system, or you mean global? Like, like Both. I mean, global finance, the stock market, the way that elites have really beautifully constructed don't, don't double come standards. A, don't, come for us, don't come for us on our own show, but continue. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I'm not really talking. I don't know what kind of elite you are, but I'm not talking about your kind. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not talking about He's your an elite kind. I don't Twitter know what kind user. you are, but I'm sure you're not talking about it. So anyway, I now I'm, I, I changed my mind. You know, hap, It's been known to happen, and now I'm interested. You're trying to topple the system now. I mean, if by reading my own Twitter, that means I'm trying to topple the system, then yes. But I'm, I'm interested in that angle. Your words, not mine. Every, I guess if that's the case, Jason, every day I wake up and I topple the fucking system for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's going, that's it's, so inspiring. Thank you. That's what we're here for. But I, I agree with you. I um, Unfortunately, numbers aren't like really my thing. Mm. So this, the stock market has never appealed to me, even though making money is very appealing to me. I, I think the discourse around it is relatively interesting, but also uh, inherently dorky. Uh, exactly. So that exactly. I like Reddit is dorky. Like I saw a pizza slime already made a T-shirt that says R slash Wall Street bets, and it has all these graphics on it. It's just everything in today's society, which I'm, I feel like you are actually an expert on this, gets taken to the nth degree so fast that it's impossible not to hate everything. Emily, what are stocks but cool? Can you help us out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, that's a truly cursed question. <laughs> you get ready for one more hour of that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Terror Dome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What are stocks but cool? Yeah, that's right. I think that crypto is marginally cooler. No, what are stocks but cool? Astrology. That's actual. <laughs> and wow, that's actual wow. answer. Fantastic Good answer. answer. Great a, answer. An actual answer, but. 
No, I mean, what it made me think about and reflect on was living in Berlin in 2017 when many of my friends were getting into crypto and having these remarkable windfalls, similar to how certain artists in the 70s in New York got their Soho loft, and that oh, was yes. their wealth-building moment or whatever. The Leibowitz effect. Exactly. Um, God damn it. <laughs> but... Sorry. I didn't move to Berlin to hang out with artists and musicians and just have everyone talk about stocks. I thought it was very <laughs> lame. Yeah, and it is lame. It's it is very lame. lame. And it's just like, I'm all for people building security and figuring out what they need to do. But I mm-hmm. think that it's usually more interesting for that stuff to be on the private side of things. And just reminded me of someone's dad at a barbecue rattling <laughs> on about IBM. And it's like, this is not counterculture, guys. Like, extremely, extremely whack. So that was my... Also, at the time, I didn't have extra money that I could really play with, so it wasn't relevant to me. Any additional income was going straight to ketamine, I'm sure. <laughs> no comment, but... The, um, <laughs> no, I actually wasn't doing ketamine for the lion's share of my time in Berlin, and so I would actually just kind of love judging people who were... <laughs> really really far gone on ketamine because it's one of the ones where if you're not on it it's extra insane to witness Mm -hmm. i have a question for you as a person who um berlin is my least favorite city i've ever been to um did i (laughs) did i just do it wrong because i'm like a, a sober older white man or is it just maybe is it over it's a very interesting question um Saying that Berlin is over is a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that was like, yeah. I mean, that was kind of a joke because I, I don't know if I was there during its heyday by any means. This is like you know a year ago, two years ago, or something, just for a few days, and I was just instantly like, I have to get out of here. I've never felt like that anywhere before. And you're not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm great like question. Uh, great question. I'm just a regular ass white guy um, who. You, almost every city I can find something I really enjoy and like and, and culturally just something about it I was just like I really do not like this instantly yeah. as soon as I got off the plane it's a truism about Brazil Brazil is not for berge- not for beginners and I even though the opposite is usually like thought to be true about Berlin I do I also kind of think that that might be applicable that makes sense, um, that makes sense. it's so interesting because I spent a year in Berlin for the first time in 2009 and 2010. And it was so radically and dramatically different than it is now. It was incredibly spooky and fucked up and broken in a way that you just can't even imagine when you're there now. Cause now it's like thriving. I was thriving, but I was 20 and I was studying abroad and my net worth was 70 euros. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, could stay up all night doing cocaine and then wake up and do like German immersion and write a 20 page term paper in German, like, you know, the next morning. And it was fine. What is your your relationship to Germany and its culture? Why would you choose that? Is it, is it family history or you just like it? I am Jewish. So the family history Hmm. angle is an interesting one. Although my family wasn't German, but I got into it because I was studying comparative literature and I was reading some German philosophers and, writers that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And then I also had some 
good friends who were a few years older than me, whose behavior I always tried to imitate. And they were starting to move to Berlin and were having a lot of fun time and partying and working at 032C and explaining to me what a curator was. And <laughs> shout out to, blah, shout, out to blah, big, blah. shout out to Big York. I know he's listening right now. My shooter, Big York. Oh, um, my God. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. That was my first job, actually, was working for Jörg. Um, Damn, that's that's actually really interesting. I, I just um, I joke around about O32C all the time, and I think it's 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 a magazine that so many people have and very few people have actually read. I think it, that's accurate. I've read it in excruciating detail, but not I the just more recent issues. I think it's relatively dense, like once you get inside versus what is on the cover. Like I think the yeah. cover can be very alluring, but I think once you get in there, it's probably too much for a lot of people or most people that are actually Yeah, definitely, it. definitely. Not it's unlike like, Berlin itself for you, Christopher. Yeah. So Great point, Jason. Basically, I moved to Berlin because I wanted to hang out with my cool older friends. And I was also had an academic interest in learning about some dorky German related literature and philosophy. And then I also was compelled by some sort of like twisted desire as a Jew to like return to the scene of the crime or something, Mm -hmm. Um, which eventually became very strange. Like once I actually lived in Berlin, so I was there for a year in 2009 and 2010. And then I lived there from 2016 to about a year ago. And then once I started realizing, like, I actually live here and not that far away in Poland was like land that my family owned that was stolen. It was very visceral and strange. And I think it did contribute to the weirdness of my sort of like mixed irritation and entitlement toward Germans while living in (laughs) Germany that I just didn't feel bad about because I was Jewish. Which is just not the same for any regular person walking down the street there. This is a very rambling <laughs> answer. The TLDR is that I love Berlin. It's a very magical place and it's always going to be another home. To me, the way that the city has changed over the last 15 years is so extreme and it definitely... But does it actually... Is, it, is, it, is the change, in your opinion, bad, good, or just a change? Bad, but I think that a lot of people can still access what's magical about Berlin nonetheless. Like, I think that if you're 23 and moving there and you're really into a particular type of music, et cetera, et cetera, you could still have an amazing time. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what was so freaky and fascinating about it and, dare I say, glamorous at times is definitely not happening. But I was also living a boring life there. Because when you're, you know, rolling with a scene that is very nightlife adjacent, people either become like really, really scary drug addicts or stop doing drugs. And so like I was on the ladder kind of. So it was more just like going to my studio. It was like living in like Portland or Washington, D.C. It wasn't like crazy party times all the time. Um, and where then you, everyone where has. Live, where do I live where now? Where do you live now? Yeah. I I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> Damn, LA High, stand up. Okay, thank God, because if you said Highland Park, we're going to have to hang up. What neighborhood did you say? I live in Los Feliz. Mm, okay, fantastic. Where so are you guys? Are we gonna, are we Is somebody you in, Mar- in Georgia? I'm, I'm, I'm in Atlanta right now. I'm from Atlanta. I'm, I'm here visiting my parents, but I'm heading back to LA very soon. So, Oh, um, cool. I'll see you on Hillhurst. You know, we've, we'll, we'll check for you at Maru. We'll check for you at Lassen's. I'm in Glendale currently. I'll be looking over my shoulder. <laughs> you should. Um, uh, why did you move to? Were you in New York before that? I was in Berlin. Oh, you. Oh, so you went straight from Berlin to LA. I moved from Berlin to LA 
about a year ago. I moved for that's love. That's twisted. That's yeah. a twisted. That's a twisted move. It is a twisted move. It was very a very welcome move, and I was entertaining fantasies of living in California. And I had spent a stretch of about six weeks in LA the winter before, and I was kind of trying to do this like method of skipping the worst of European winter by being in California. Which is a pretty good idea if you can make it work. Um, so I, it was on my mind, but I didn't think that I was going to move when I did. And then I moved for love, which is a pretty good reason to move. How's it going? It's going great. Do you guys share a car or do you both have a car? <laughs> I, we, we each have our own cars. I just learned how to good. drive and just got my first car. Damn, congratulations. What um, color is the Prius? And congratulations. Yeah, what color is the Tesla? Did you go with the blue or the white? I got... A Mercedes-Benz S500 from the year 2000. Ooh, Ooh, let's go. Did you put it? What kind of rim? It's what are black. We on? You put the big plates on it or what are we looking mm-hmm. at? It is exactly the same as its former owner left it complete with the Splenda in the car phone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a great car. This is that's a great car. That's like about as cool as you can get. Yeah, you have yourself a big body Benz with two dollars worth of gas in it, don't you, Emily? My dad was like, "You're going to be a social pariah based on that car's <laughs> gas mileage, but nothing <laughs> would keep you safer on the road." Oh. Um, it is a giant car. Yeah, that's an interesting that you chose a a a well, also German made. I'm seeing a trend here with you. Mm. But a, <laughs> a German made tank like automobile is truly the way to, to, to protect yourself and your loved ones um, <laughs> for an affordable, for, for not that G-Wagon price, you know, mm-hmm. for a reasonable price. Right. Well, you know, so it was kind of a great L.A. story because I was stressing out over what car to get. I was trying to understand the logic. And I was like, OK, I like wearing platform shoes. Does that mean I need to get a monster truck? Okay, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then I was like... I like that logic a lot. I like that a lot. And then I was like, okay, like Uniqlo, Honda Fit. You know, I was like, what's the most... If I didn't know what to do, like what's like the Uniqlo Muji energy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, Honda Fit. I was like reading a business insider listicle. It's like, first car, Honda Fit. I'm like, whatever, I'll get a fucking Honda Fit. I don't care. And then I wasn't excited by that shopping experience. I was like, this isn't that cheap or nice which is like a bad combination. And I went over to my friend's house and I was complaining about this. And he was like, you need to stop trying to be practical and just go get an incredible car from an old rich person Mm. in LA. That is, that's truly sound advice. And that's a good friend. Very good friend. Helped me through a lot of situations in my life with similar kind of like sage advice, sage advice. And so I went on Craigslist the next day and 30 minutes in saw this one It had very little information. It was just like in excellent condition, original owner. I wrote the guy, called me, and he told me that it was his nine-year-old father's car that he was helping to sell. And he told me his father's name, and I Googled him. And a Wikipedia for a legendary UCLA basketball coach came up. So cool. So cool. I love this already. So I sent it to my dad. So you drive to Bel Air. You take an Uber to Bel Air. I drove. It was. Um, it wasn't Bel Air. It was. Um, I'm just glad that the car's origin story was suitable enough to proceed. So my dad, I sent it to my dad. My dad immediately facetimes me and is like, "This is the person who recruited Kareem Abdul Abdul Jabbar to college basketball. This is this guy is a complete legend. Mm-hmm. You so have to buy the, his car no matter what have, condition it's in. Because no, my dad was Kareem like, there. You know, he got super into. He's like, I would also be tempted to get this car. This is one of the best cars ever, wow. but it's. 
giant. Is and your heavy. dad? Is your dad? A, is your dad a grease monkey? He's a. He's a. He is an appreciator of automobiles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, that's many kinda other how things. I would refer to myself. Actually, <laughs> I don't like cars, but I appreciate a good one. That's brave. That's brave. And so, so basically, I went and got you know Mr. Norman's car. He could not have been nicer. I got to really like learn about the history of his career and his family. They were just the absolute sweetest. I could barely test drive it because at the time I barely could drive. It was kind of humiliating. And it's tough to drive in the platforms as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He didn't even count the money, and <laughs> you know, it was just a really, really positive energy type of situation. And now I think about. Mr. Norman while I drive his car because he's so lovingly took care of it and it makes me super happy. I don't want to ask if it's too personal, but are you able to divulge the sticker price for our car nut listeners out there? Yeah, so so Mr. Norman spent around $87,000 on this car. <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing, Emily. You know exactly what you're doing. And I paid him, I paid him $3,500. Whoa! That, I could buy that for the weekend and just run into a wall when I'm finished <laughs> with it for that price. You know what I mean? So, uh, all right. So, thirty five hundred cash money. We talk hundreds, twenties. Yeah, fuck GameStop. That is a nice investment. I think it was in hundreds. That's cool. That's cool, and it works fine. Like you're in good shape. You oh had yeah. I mean, I had to get a couple of things fixed, but it wasn't crazy or anything. It was totally within what I imagined would have to go down. And I love driving, and it brings me joy. Are you missing anything about Berlin now that you've been here for a little while? I only miss my people there. Mm-hmm. I don't miss anything else about being there, especially right now. I'm definitely missing having a more international friend group, which is a great thing about being an expat no matter where you are, and definitely not COVID energy. So, Yeah, what's your, what's your vibe on COVID? Are we, are we coming to the end of it? Like, what do you think? Are you wearing three masks right now? Are you positive? Are you negative? <laughs> I... This podcast is a super spreader event. Um, well, yeah, you can you get know, it look, through your headphones. We are we giving need, each other digital COVID right now. <laughs> this this podcast is infectious. It is digital COVID. Thank you for that cosign. <laughs> what do I think about COVID? I mean, I am cautiously optimistic about vaccines mm-hmm. changing what COVID means to people eventually. And so I think that it will become another illness that's out there but is not does not define life like the chicken mm-hmm. pox or like other common colds the flu. i don't think it's going to be eradicated but i think it will not be something that defines existence but i'm so tired God, of my I don't existence know. being defined by this pesky virus <sighs> how are you guys doing i'm so over it i mean I'm, I'm excited that tomorrow in la we'll be able to dine uh <laughs> outside at restaurants yeah, Emily, let us know. I'll let you know when I get back to L.A. And Erwan on me, sweetie. We, we, oh, me my we, God. We commandeer an outdoor table. They know me there. Oh, Mr. Black, welcome back. Yeah, please, here. Um, that is so music to my ears. That is the only place to see and be seen in L.A. right now. As far isn't as it concerned. fucked up that it's the hottest It's the hottest scene in L.A.? And, and the Silver Lake one, to me, is just not the same as the Beverly Drive location. But I do agree that during COVID... Erwan in LA is the number one hotspot for see, being seen. It's the only seen. place to rock a look. The thing about the Silver mm-hmm. Lake one is that it has a different aesthetic. Like what people are wearing there is different yeah, than it's the worse, other I locations. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, worse. it's scarier. It's just scarier. It's more what do you chaotic. Mean about, how is it? I just don't. It's just too many. There's not enough rich people. You know what I mean? It's a little too many. It's like young people. I don't want to be around that. It's a different. Yeah, there's a different 
type of capital flowing through those. Yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of you know, social. tie-dyed. Yeah, I don't want any of that. Thing. I hate that. Well, I was, I so my dye. brother, so you know, I grew up in New York, and my brother and I both moved to L.A. Don't flex on us like that. What, where, where in New York? I grew up on the Upper West Side, 91st in Amsterdam. Ooh. Wow. My parents so your dad, your dad is cool, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, my dad and my stepdad are both cool, I must say. So you grew up in New York. Your brother lives in L.A. too. What is he doing? He is starting to work on marketing for this like crazy new speaker company, which I don't think I can talk about. But mm-hmm. he has an amazing ice cream company that he runs called Bam Bam Ice Cream, which I highly recommend. Bam Bam, you say? Bam Bam Ice for, Cream. I'm not familiar. Break it down. Are we talking pints, sandwiches, cones? We're Swirls. talking pines, half pines, and cookie sandwiches that are really, really amazing. You know, Jason, I, you know you're talking to LA's premier food influencer, Jason Stewart, on this podcast. So it would probably be in your best interest to get him the Bam Bam pack immediately so we can mm-hmm. review I'm it gonna, this I'm When there is a, a fresh batch of Bam Bam, I will personally, this, um, this, socially so, distance, drop it off at you. I'm, I made a fresh batch of Bam Bam has a little fertility clinic energy to it but <laughs> or like a what just a beat down yeah, yeah yeah what does it what what so is he doing this like by hand himself so that's yeah. why there's a stock issue right now yeah what flavors are we talking about yeah what is their what's their signature key cinnamon flavor? pretzel is probably Ooh. the crowd cinnamon pretzel. favorite okay i'm i'm interested. like a wetzel i don't know what that is uh, it's like oh. it's like an American mall chain pretzel. Oh, like Auntie Anne's? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, you know, because we've been talking a lot about the Ginny's ice cream everything bagel flavor. I don't know if you've seen that. No, that's perverse. I'm, that's a good word I'm, inter- I'm interested, personally. I, I don't know why exactly, but I feel like if you're going to go do something that crazy, it's got to actually taste good. Yeah. You would hope, but... People really just kind of go there and then don't follow through. A well, lot what of is the your time. feeling? What is what is your feeling on the durian banana? The durian banana. I mean, it reminds me of that ice cream place Wanderlust, which is, I think is an Atwater, where it's like this is like an Icelandic breadcrumb flavored <laughs> ice cream. I've never been like, to. A- okay, society is going to collapse. Word. Thank you for communicating. Yeah, that, and those are flavor. places that are not called ice cream shops. They're called creameries and. <laughs> The flavors are in, are in fact inspired by Wanderlust. <laughs> Creameries. <laughs> He's so right. You're so right. It's true. It's deranged. So my brother very kindly made an ice cream flavor for me to Ooh. match the book that I just put out. I just released it. Oh, wow. Ball. Nice. Thank you for it. Look, we're going to give you that. Do not plug your book. Emily. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> ask you to plug you don't get to just do it willy-nilly oh yeah but go ahead now that you started it you might as well finish so it. The, so so your book <laughs> well i'll say the ice cream part first and then i can explain yeah, yeah. then we can go into a full kind of nightmarish plug situation i'm hungry um, for the flavor basically i wrote a book called mercury retrograde the book isn't actually about astrology but it has an astrological title mm-hmm. and my brother was smart like smart way to get smart way to get white chicks to buy it i like what you're doing <laughs> Yeah, well, I wasn't born yet. I wasn't born yesterday. Um, <laughs> my brother was like, "What kind of ice cream do you want?" You know, I want to make this Mercury Retrograde Limited Edition Bam Bam ice cream flavor. It's tough because Mercury very is nice. Mercury is very poisonous. You have to be very careful how much you put in. The only mercury I get is from Nobu, so I um, hope it's not in the ice cream. Sorry seriously. for stepping on your story. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and I told him that I wanted pink ice cream with glitter in it. And he kind of looked at me like, 
with a lot of uh, displeasure. In his face. And he was like, sure. who are you and what have you done with my sister? I was just like, I want pink ice cream with glitter. And the cover of the book is pink. So that was part of the rationale. And then he was like, okay, but what do you want the flavor to be? And that's when I knew I really had him. Okay. And I was like, I want it to be vanilla. Yes. Oh. That's my all-time favorite flavor of ice cream. And I could tell that he was irritated because he knew that I was calling him on his avoidance of making vanilla. Because if you're making ice cream, you know, there's this question of, like, what's your vanilla going to be like? So it's stressful. Mm-hmm. That's like the omelet test for a chef. It tells everything you need to know about a creamery on their vanilla. <laughs> exactly. Or, like, cacio e pepe or something like that. It's Bingo. like, oh, you know. It's all technique. It's all technique. So... Anyway, I kind of brought together a lot of annoying factors into this one ice cream flavor, but what he came up with was so delicious. It's a sea salt vanilla. Mm. It, it's pink. It has edible glitter in it. It really has sparked joy for the dozens of like maybe one, up to 100 people who have tasted it. <laughs> um. <laughs> and, and a great story that you helped your brother, you know, over that hill, the uh, you know the vanilla hill. That's a tough hill to climb for any creamery. Had, had like to do a little too, cross. Yeah. Had to do a little cross branding. Sure, sure. We like that. But the book. So the book is has been out for a little while, right? The book has been out for a couple months. How's it going so far? Are your pockets just fat with diamonds from all those royalties? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's called we Mercury. Know how, we know how publishing works. It's called Mercury Retrograde, correct? That's right. Not Mercury in Retrograde. That's right. That's a misnomer. I'm looking at I'm looking at my copy right now. Thank you for sending that to me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad. Huh. It feels a little. It feels a little. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, just in the synopsis alone, it sounds autobiographical. It is. It is autofiction. So Ooh. it is based on Jason. Don't get Jason excited because that's kind of his thing. Really, um, so. I did not expect that. Sexually. Oh, oh, autofiction. Oh, I'm not auto asphyxiation. That's funny. I'm sorry. I've never heard I'm that sorry. joke before. I know. I'm sure you have. <clears throat> okay, so it's about cars. Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's just about a young girl in New York who's obsessed with cars. <laughs> so, and... but you worked. You, I forgot that you worked at Genius. Correct. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, any, uh, co- any cool stories about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, just so for all the folks listening at home. The book is about... No, we're going to talk about genius later, Chris. We need to spend... We need to chew on this book for a little while. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm the, sorry. The well, book that's, is... that's part of the book. That's part of that. I'm not, right. I'm not so trying the, to skip so ahead. In the book, the in the book up, a character <laughs> named Emily Siegel, who shares much of my biography, works at a deranged startup called X. And... <laughs> Such a sick name. Honestly, that made me chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it was actually really hard to figure out. Um... Any of the parts of the book that were like doing what I have to do for a job, but for myself, I found very tedious, like name a company. Yeah, naming a startup inside of a book, you're like, do I have I'm to like, I'm not gonna, getting paid for this. Am I going to pay myself? How does this work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This but yeah, that, but isn't time. it more, isn't it fun and interesting and liberating to name, to do work inside of a book when there's no real life consequences and you could just name it whatever you want without any I don't think that there are that many consequences for my work in real life (laughs) either but I appreciate that Um, yeah so I I was the creative director of genius for a year and that provided some seeds for the telling of this tale but I actually don't spill any tea about genius in the book it just sort of kicked off a creative process for me and I riffed on it anyone looking for 
the steamy tell-all book about genius would be disappointed. Well, this isn't going to be a tell-all book. This is actually a podcast, so it, the, the tell-all will take place here. And also, in how steamy form. can Genius.com really get? You know, like well, Jason, those two guys, those two guys went to therapy for their business partnership, like we're going to have to do famously. That's like their claim to fame. Thank yeah. God he found his um, ceramics, though, because that's a really good way to relieve stress and tension. I've learned. That's a good point. That's, a that's good also point, very actually. LA, huge LA, <laughs> huge LA mean. People true. become so, so crazy about ceramics here. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Where are we going to put all of our fucking milks? My uh, eyelid just started twitching when I started <laughs> saying that. <laughs> uh, so the process of the book, did it start while you were there or after you were there? Or, or when did, did – I know the idea was sparked, but when did the writing process The writing began? process began around that time. I was – we were working on the fifth – and final issue of K-Hole, which was the trend report that I used to produce with a group of friends. Mm-hmm. And my big white whale dream after that was to write a book. And I had a mentor who's kind of looking at me being like, you should just fucking do it right now. Like, it's time to do the book, which surprised me at the time, but I was flattered. And so I started pulling together a bunch of essayistic writing I had done concurrently to K-Hole. A lot of it had to do with cultural analysis, aesthetics, pattern recognition, fashion, stuff that I was interested in. And I started trying to construct a narrative spine that would hold all of those essays together. And in working on the narrative spine, it kind of took on a life of its own. And then there was another serendipitous moment with another mentor who was just literally spaced out, not paying attention to me when I was talking about the book and was just started calling it my novel because he was like preoccupied. Mm. And I was like, huh, what if it was a novel that I just kind of ran with that? So there were a lot of, yeah, unexpected twists and turns that led to the project taking shape. And then I'd always loved autofiction as a genre because I think it's just juicy in a basic way to be like, wait, did this really happen or not? It's kind of a gimmick, but it's one that I fall for. So a lot of the writers that I liked kind of have fucked with that in the past. Could you recommend an autofiction title for a, a virgin autofiction reader like myself? Definitely. I would read Chelsea Girls by Eileen Miles. All right. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite books. Good recommendation. Well, uh, did you find the process enjoyable or was it hell? Because like, writers love to complain. It was both. It's extremely scary to take on a project that's that big and to sort of face down the possibility of failure and to feel so daunted by your task because it actually is extremely technically difficult. You know, if you asked me to like make my dining room table from scratch tomorrow, I would not have any (laughs) fucking clue what I'm doing. And it was analogous and that I had written a lot and I'd written some fiction, but I definitely never written an entire book that made, you know, and I was aspiring for it to make sense and be entertaining and be (laughs) unique and all these things. So the thing with this book is, guys, it does make sense. And that was kind of the hard part. And it also, at times, not all the time, but it can be entertaining. So it sounds like you accomplished all your goals. Eventually, eventually I did. I'm proud to say. I, I feel like there's a big difference between releasing a collection of essays versus a book that ties them all together with that narrative spine, as you said. That that seems like the real, you know, intense right. work. And that's that's why Gia Tolentino got seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for some essays. Something to think about. Essay, yeah, essays are. Look, I got, I What'd you say, Jason? I gotta go. I gotta start writing these fucking essays. (laughs) God, I've heard of them. So, what was your style? Would you just wake up and 
blast a cig and pour a, a, a steaming cup of joe and sit at the macbook air and peck away all day do you or, write or after you work out do you write before you work out do you write because you work out well those are both very relevant questions so i eventually started and also is there a didgeridoo happening in the background just a short quick question a didgeridoo <laughs> absolutely not okay that's, there's like a trigger that's triggering that you even would bring that up Okay, um, that's a Berlin. It's a Berlin thing. I, I assume. Yeah, we wouldn't understand, Jason. I just heard the sounds of what appeared to be something that was didgeridoo like going on. I don't oh, know if it's like a garden or something. Maybe, but you probably could. No, hear unfortunately, unfortunately, I believe it's a leaf blower here at the Black household. Um, oh, so. Chris. I apologize for that. And and I know it's shocking to our listeners that I don't blow the leaves myself, but I'm a very busy mm. podcaster. So it doesn't, you know, I don't really have time for that. Okay. Um, Sorry. Anyway, on. Emily, Emily, ba- Emily, back to you sitting cross-legged under a tree. We both asked two very good questions and you were about to answer them. I started learning how to do basically like free or automatic writing by hand for timed intervals and approaching it more like a meditation practice and less like doing a homework assignment. So this is hashtag morning pages. Yeah, it's a lot like morning pages. I actually didn't, I didn't read the artist's way in which the morning pages technique is described until later on in my own process, but it is very, very similar to what I was doing. I read a book called Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. That book is a book that people, not me, but you know, people could read in like freshman year English class or something. It's a very approachable book, but it has a really excellent set of techniques and really good advice in it. And basically, Natalie Goldberg has a very advanced Zen Buddhist practice and connects a lot of those ideas to writing. And it's all about just like getting to know the texture of your mind and getting out of your own way and not about trying to like make a product or like accumulate something of value. And like, you know, we have a really dark relationship with reading and writing in this society because it's so connected to how kids are trained to understand their own worth in school. And it's so easy to be like, am I smart? Am I valid? based on whether or not you can, you know, create this very particular type of writing that matches an authority figure's expectations. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to really deprogram yourself in order to learn how to write more authentically. At least that's my contention. Other people, of course, are entitled to their own take on it. But that was very important for me. And then it's funny that you bring up working out because that actually was also something that I had that ended up having a big effect on my writing process a really good friend of mine who is an amazing artist and thinker became just completely obsessed with strength training and kettlebells and became a trainer. And so she Let's started go. training me in the period where I was figuring out how to write my book. And it was super important to the process. So with the kettlebell specifically, you say? Indeed, yes. Damn. What's your Turkish get up looking like? What, what are we talking about? <laughs> my... I, I'm not going to share any numbers, but I've done bazillions of Turkish get-ups in my life. That's great. Even if you do it holding a goddamn apple, it's still an impressive It's still workout. something, totally. Mm-hmm. And at times I, you know, would hold something very light. At times I would hold things that were heavier. But the fact that I could even do it at all, because at the beginning I just found it to be such like a cognitive meltdown. I would be in the middle of it and I'd be like, what the fuck comes next? What is this thing? You know, <laughs> like it just... It showed me a lot about 
how my brain worked, what the acquisition of new skills is actually like, the nonlinearity of that, mm. the way that something super difficult and impossible becomes less so. And in order modeling that in a, another setting where I really didn't give a shit about my progress in a numerical way. I just like wanted to be fit and spend time with my friend who was really amazing. And, but I, you know, I didn't have any attachment to the outcomes then, you know, gave me really valuable lessons for the writing process where I was really attached to the outcome because I wanted to write a book that made sense and was entertaining as we've already covered. So that was super important and I'm really grateful to her for it. And I think that driving was another, learning to drive is another example of that where it's just like, you get a little immersion into what it's like to just acquire a skill. And that can be really interesting when applied to your own creative practice. Glad to hear. So yeah, I mean, I've always found that working out with, with that specific type of like intense strength training, like a Turkish get up with a kettlebell, it just really blasts your mind so clear, which nowadays is very necessary, especially if you're writing. For sure. It would make me so talkative in a way that would make me embarrassed. Like something about the endorphins and like the intensity of the sensation, I would just like run my mouth like crazy after. And then I'd be like, ah, it's like, <laughs> like I'm on MDMA or something. That's good. It's addicting. I can't shut up. With time, you will eventually be able to calm down and become a chill CrossFit person. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, um, so we'll, now that you have done all of this, what are you working on currently? Great question. So Mercury Retrograde, my book, was the first in a series of books that I'm putting out with a group of friends through our new publishing house. I'm like catching myself saying publishing house. It sounds rather grandiose, but our new press, Deluge Books. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on the three books that we're putting out in the next year. It might actually be four over the course of the year, but there's three that I know about. So I've been, yeah, starting this business, setting it up, like learning about how to do all of these things that I've never done before because the businesses that I've started in the past have been much more on the sort of like immaterial consulting mm. or art side and not like the web shop girl that I am now and the like publishing <laughs> girl that I'm trying to be. Uh, so, what's, your, what's your UPS game looking like? Jason's very good. Well, I have a fulfillment service because. Wow. Early, pretty happen. early, pretty early for that. Interesting. Hmm. I got a lot of advice about that kind of heading into the game. And I was just like, that's very wise. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the worst part. It's absolutely the worst part. Um, so I mean, I what, sent out like a hundred books by hand and was like, yeah, this is just not going to continue. <laughs> this ain't going to, this ain't going to work for me. Yeah. It's worse than writing the book itself. It's just messier. Also, I think Amazon has really primed people, no pun intended to get things instantaneously. And so like, being on the other yeah, side of that when people are not happy is like cray cray, especially when people are like working out their pandemic feelings through that. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. Not the. We, we've talked about that a lot here is that that is Amazon has truly ruined us as far as that goes. We think every independent business should be able to get us something like overnight for free, which is just not possible if you know the ins and outs of shipping and, and the cost. Totally, with totally. It. Especially internationally. Cause I've been very lucky that like people have been ordering this book from all over the world. And then they're like really stressed that it's not there. There have actually been some technological advances in the literary world, although the literary world, world would lead you to believe otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm kind of like advances into, the, meaning into in, the cheesiness of that. Advances in, in the way that you can you could produce and sell Print and distribute. Yeah. 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 Um, and also it's just like better for the environment to not overproduce mm -hmm. and to be able to produce according to 
demand. And I think it's really cool that that's possible. As, as a trend forecaster who's also turned into a publishing house, are there any new trends in like the technology or of the distribution of, of novels or, or, or any books that you guys are going to explore? We'll see. I mean, it kind of depends on what the various writers are excited about working on because my role now is more to like facilitate other people's vision than to enforce my own. But it's amazing that you can just get your stuff out there so quickly. And it is amazing the way that Amazon makes so much available to people. Amazon obviously is beyond dark and completely sucks, Mm -hmm. but it also includes like this you know, historical anomaly in terms of the way that literature can reach a mass audience quickly. So I'm, it, you know, I'm caught between these things, like definitely because of launching this book and launching this press, I've had to be on social media in an unhinged way. That's like way more than I would like to be. And I have to engage with things like Amazon or like, you know, really like cheesy fulfillment services in enormous depth. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, like going after, your indie dream involves like getting into the muck of the opposite. Um, but I'm kind of into that. It's like unpleasant in a way that I'm <laughs> learning to enjoy. Yeah. Like registering barcodes is about, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being like, fulfilling. That's fulfilling. That's a hard day's labor. You know, that's, that's, um, that's like clocking in and clocking out. Yeah, but you know, you put a podcast on, you get it popping. It's not that bad, Chris. But I want everyone to start their own press. Like, I want every young writer to just go start making friends. Unfortunately, we're a gatekeepers. Uh, we're a pro gatekeeper <laughs> podcast. Um, oh, I should have I, known. I'm so sorry. I'm really stepping in it. Why do you want everyone to do that? Like, if you can have an OnlyFans, you can publish your own novel. The, the- I, I, look, I agree with. I mean, I've I've actually published a lot of books in my time, like mostly photography or art or whatever. Um, and it's just not. It's it's just no matter how well they do, it's very difficult to make money and it's extremely time consuming. But there is, I, I there is like a nice feeling you get from doing it. I don't know if if uh, I have the stomach for it anymore, but I do think it is rewarding in a different way, uh, and and there's value there. Yeah, the the feeling of holding that tangible book in your hands, I'm sure, is a high that will never go away. I mean, look, bro, it's it's not it's not hacking kinkos to make zines, but it's something. <laughs> it's on a spectrum with that, though, for me. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I, I actually agree with that. I mean, I think that that's the that's what's so interesting for Jason and I both to watch the explosion of this stuff happen when, you know, zines have been a part of our lives since we were like in middle school, probably from like, you know, punk yeah. and hardcore. And that's where it all comes from for me. So to see that be like something Nike does now is interesting. But also, like, I appreciate that print is even being given that respect by anyone and in 2021, so I kind of like it. And book sales, print book sales have been going up over the pandemic, which is interesting. That um, is interesting. Getting lost in a book is a bingey experience that's positive. And I just, on a from a non-scientific point of view, like think that it takes less out of you than binging TV, which of course I also do. I'm not like a cop, but. Well, it takes less out of you and also <laughs> arguably puts things into you. Into you. Yes, yeah, that's yes. a beautiful way of putting it. Exactly. And so I think that, it's great for people to start to cultivate their pleasure centers when it comes to reading, because something I observe is that friends will be like, I don't read as much as I want to. And then you look at the book on their nightstand table and it's a super dry collection of like Mm -hmm. sociological essays. And it's like, they're they're not making it easy for themselves is what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, do you want to read the Andre Agassi 
memoir, like maybe you would actually like that. You know, it's, it's like Mm. people, because of the same thing I was talking about before, which had to do with our senses of self-worth as smart and with it people from school having to do with how well we read and write. You know, I think that people have a lot of baggage around reading and just don't get in touch with their own sense of pleasure. And I think that's a shame. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to address with the press, because I just think that there's a lot of quote unquote weirder or more literary writing that's Mm -hmm. actually just like really, really chaotic and fun and easy to get immersed in and just doesn't look like what we think it's supposed to look like. And I want there to be more of that. I have such vivid memories of being like, you know, younger and and just reading books. Like there was just no, like there was nothing else I I would rather be doing. You know what I mean? Just like sitting and and reading and like distractionless for hours and hours. And, and I mean, my dad does that still. You know what I mean? What happened to you, Chris? Exactly. I don't know. Life happens. That's the problem. It's like now everybody is lucky if they get 30 minutes before bed. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's, but I think the, the thought of like sitting in a chair and reading a book for an hour um, is, is kind of daunting. And I think it's also, it, it's kind of like another way of being like alone with yourself that may intimidate people. I, I don't know. Mm, I don't yeah, know. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. That's yeah. That's interesting for sure. You know, I the mean, background of television is, is, is comforting in a way that the silence of reading does not possess. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the intimacy that you feel with an author who really speaks to part of your experience and validates it is so durable and yeah. it's so it's totally. the opposite of lonely. Very durable, right. but very hard, much harder to get there. Yes, totally. And like, yeah, it's it's easy to imagine losing yourself in books in that childhood way if you happen to have a stack of books next to you that you were just super stoked about and were like super entertaining and right up your alley. And learning to sort of like feed yourself literature in that way is a trickier thing. Like, how do you feel about Kindles? I love e-reading. I love reading in any. I love reading in any in any format. I actually just got a new e-reader yesterday, and I'm so. Wait, why do you say e-reader? Do you do you use a non-Kindle? What do you? I do use a. I use a non-Kindle. I also have a Kindle. What do you use? I I just received my Onyx Books Note. What is this? That sounds device. Onyx Books Note. This shit was free, wasn't it? You can be honest. It was so not free. <laughs> I'm like a Damn. freak. I was like on the e-ink Reddit for like months. Okay, so what what about what, what about this Onyx? So basically, reader. what it is. So it's basically an Android tablet with an e-ink screen, so like a Kindle style screen. Mm. And so it means that you can have the Kindle app on it and read Kindle books Amazing. that you buy in the Amazon store, but you could also put. EPUBs or PDFs or whatever that you might just have on your computer or find on the internet easily onto it. And then you can adjust the way that they look and make it really mm-hmm. personalized to what's comfortable for you for reading. And you can take notes on it with a stylus. And you could put Twitter on it if you wanted to. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> it, it's connected <laughs> to the Android. You could use it to cheat on your wife or husband. You could use it. Yeah, exactly. LOL. It's like connected to the Android store. So I guess you could do all sorts of stuff in terms of getting apps from it. But it is mm-hmm. intended for yeah. reading. There, I, I also had a device called the Remarkable, which what? is similar. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be reading. Shorty be reading. You're a real stylist person. <laughs> I mean, you? I'm serious about this shit. I love reading. I'm a huge a, nerd. Uses, 
Who uses a stylus though? That's crazy. <laughs> I do yeah, use a no stylus. stylus. I mean, I don't always read with a stylus. I'm not like that. Insane, <laughs> I don't. But look, look, I don't always <laughs> read with a stylus, but when I do, best believe I'm doing some fucking underlining. Okay? Exactly. I mean, sometimes you want to fucking underline. Yeah, I think maybe the next. Have you have you noticed any trends of people reading in unusual places or like creating scenarios where? you are so devoid of distraction that reading suddenly becomes exciting. One example that I use is the song. I mean, the best place to read is at your day job. <laughs> mm, that's true. I was going to say, I was going to say prison, but I guess a day job the same, is, is, it's the is same similar. for many people. Sadly. I mean, that's yeah. not to, not to, I mean, that's sometimes like these the corporate jobs feel like prison, you know, for you guys, you to be that, clear, that will be our, my cancellation moment because our, our guest, Emily, just shit on all you losers listening to have real jobs. Go fuck yourself. I guess the problem with that is yes, you could be doing that, but you can also be watching Netflix or looking at Instagram or whatever well, it's different it is. Now that people are working from home, but like reading True. when you're in a desk at a desk job where in theory, people could see your screen yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. And so I, you I can't, you know, when I was a kid and my parents forced me to go to church, um, I would bring a book or magazine and read it in my Bible. I would like hide it in the Bible or the hymnal um, wow. and read read during read during the service. Which, so I, I can understand. I can understand where you come from. Sometimes it was Thrasher, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it was Heart Attack or Maximum Rock and Roll. But often it could be like a nice a nice dog. You, sometimes paperback. you'd have a Playboy with that upside down Bible, and you'd get caught because you had it on the wrong way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be I'd be reading Mad Magazine, you know, and oh, I got caught. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I do come think see that me after class reading it. That's funny you say reading a day job though, because I remember, especially in high school, like having I worked at a dry cleaners where you just sit there all day. Like there's nothing to do. This was like pre laptop, and I would just yeah, I would just read for hours. You know, it's like that was the only thing to do, which feels kind of alluring now. Feels like a breakthrough for you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> thank you, Jason. I mean, thank but, you, Jason. Uh, basically, my my really strong feeling about this is that if people just start to like be in touch with books that they actually want to read more, it's not mm. that hard of a sell. So you're saying, well, you're saying, I, I, I think my takeaway from this is that we, and what you've learned is that there's a lot of societal pressure to read certain books or certain texts that feel valuable or important. And those might not be for everyone. They might be boring, but if you read something truly for pleasure that brings you joy, then reading will come much more easily. Mm. Definitely. And that yeah. includes types of texts that you might think are really hard to access like poetry because i definitely know that at certain points i was like oh i don't know how to fuck with poetry like i don't so you don't so you don't like jay-z interesting okay (laughs) that's a whole other conversation but no but a a friend of mine was like you're approaching poetry wrong like it might just be that the books that you're trying to read don't speak to you and if that's the case Mm -hmm. just skip it and just keep browsing and eventually something will catch your eye. Yeah. And then, you know, if you just start to trust that instinct more, it begins to strengthen. And then I got really into poetry. And poetry is the new indie music. So that is like a really, really interesting sphere to like observe a lot of cultural dynamics in. Well, we're out of time. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. <laughs> it's okay if we haven't been able to finish Infinite Jest and poetry <laughs> is the new rock is what you're saying. 
is is there any poetry that you would prescribe for us based on this this hour long podcast that we have? Completed? Yeah, do you have any hot poets? Wow, you that's really cool. I'm I'm gonna write you after and actually like give, tell you a poetry. I, honestly, read. though, I think I, I don't I, know I, off the top of my head, but it sounds like a really fun challenge to think about. I think po- I think poetry is honestly probably one of the hardest uh, nuts to crack as a as a genre of arts, um, even for a seasoned nutcracker. Even for a seasoned nutcracker like me or TJ, but I, I'm interested. I would love for, I would love some, I love tailored advice. You know, I love tailored yeah. recommendations. And we're willing to pay. We will bang your cash app. We will bang your cash app. Yeah, we'll give you like twenty five dollars. <laughs> we'll bam bam ice cream my cash app. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll bam bam the little cash app. Okay. Um, now the other question I have for you before we go is: Is the book only available directly from you, or or no. is there distri- So you're distributing. No, it as well. you can buy it where books are sold. So you can buy it through dailersbooks.com, my website, or you can buy it at your favorite indie bookstore or from Amazon, which is the least cute way to buy it. But Lord knows I bought many books on Amazon in my life. So who am I to judge? Lord knows. So I can, and, so I can, so I can stroll into to McNally Jackson Books in, in Manhattan Soho neighborhood with a piping hot cappuccino <laughs> and pick one up? Yes, absolutely. That would probably be my favorite way for you to go buy it. <laughs> same, same. You should have um, sent me one. Maybe I'll maybe I'll buy one to offset it. You know, it's like carbon emissions. Chris, you could send me send me your copy, and then you can go pull up when you're in okay. New York. Yeah, because I, I do. I, I'm a big, uh, as Jason knows, I'm a big independent bookstore supporter myself. But I but I think that bookstores specifically are truly part of the fabric of any good neighborhood. And if we lose those, we, we lose a lot. Totally. Um, I mean, I'm, I miss McNally Jackson so much. I also go to Skylight, obviously, and I have a really good friend who works there, which is super cool. And they stock my book, which is amazing. Shout out to Skylight. Player, it ain't the same. Shout it out to Skylight. It ain't the same. But shout out um, to Skylight nonetheless. Shout out to Acapella Books here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's kind of our version of that. A little less indie. The, the staff is a little less hot. But nonetheless, they have the titles, <laughs> they have the titles that you're looking for. But they're automatically um, hot because they work at an indie bookstore. The world needs Damn. more bookworms like you. Yeah, you. You, you really, you did, you did, you made an incredible case for reading on this podcast, which we, um, you know, we flirted <laughs> with, we flirted with before. But I, I felt like it came from a real place where you weren't just trying to sell your book, but books in general, yeah. which I, um, I appreciate. We didn't even address like the major Venn diagram of our like work or interests, all the things that we actually have in common. <laughs> well, that's maybe another time. Wait, we have we have things in common. Everybody knows well, that we Chris all love. Do. Yeah, we love Balenciaga. We probably have a few friends in common. Um, she, she, Emily also uses the same Glossier highlighter that I use. So we have a lot. We have a lot in common, actually, Jason. Oh, wow. Yeah, you weren't lying. It's weird. It's weird. She loves, she actually like loves Chipotle. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I actually so deeply don't, but. <laughs> no, I don't even that. That was a joke. I would never put that on someone. I would never do that. This is a this is not a pro Chipotle podcast, but what what LA food destinations are you are you loving? Would you like to signal boost perhaps? I love Pakistani Kebab House. Whoa, okay. Really recommend getting takeout from there. Where is where where is that? It's in Koreatown. Pakistani Kebab House. I've never been there. Jason's it's, Jason's writing this on his arm with flashy, his light pen. It's not flashy on the outside. What what Pakistani kebab house is though? You know what I mean? Yeah, they're yeah, not known for their flash. Mm-hmm. It's not a flashy thing. It's some of <laughs> the most delicious food ever, in my view. Okay. They have this incredible lamb biryani that is so complex and beautifully cooked and spiced. It's really, really delicious. Oh wow! So I love Excellent. that, mm-hmm. and I love fried chicken from Love to Eat Thai. Hell yeah! Love to eat with a number, correct? 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. Love to eat pie L-U-V, L-U-V to. When I say when I say love, I mean L-U. Yeah, that fried chicken is very very yummy. I love that one. I also like the crab curry from there very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you should also try. There's a place called Spicy Thai Barbecue. That's Ooh. a little bit more in like little Armenia Thai town. But um, we we can talk offline. But that's a, another small, even smaller business that you can single business. <laughs> yeah, how small are these businesses you're trying to support? Micro, get, micro. Yeah, micro. Yeah, nano, micro nano businesses. Please. Nano. There's zero employees. <laughs> that's just yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't exist. You, just, it doesn't you put exist. money in a slot and something just appears. <laughs> it's really crazy. It's really interesting. Okay, well, you, you, it sounds like you have a great tongue for global flavors, and I appreciate that. <laughs> that's true. I'm really horrified that you just said that, but I guess it is accurate. Um, <laughs> but you're, yes, I do. Though. <laughs> thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I love eating in LA and being here and being able to eat all the delicious food is one of the most wonderful things. That Currently, it's all we really got. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I that can't and wait. a good book, am I right? <laughs> oh my God. Nothing like some crab curry and a good book. Snuggle up on the couch. Emily, thank you for joining us. You guys go cop the book, Mer- Mercury Retrograde. Um, you can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, cop Emily, the where Bam can they- Bam ice cream wherever cop ice cream Bam is sold. Very true, very true. Where can, we, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Tell the people where to follow you. Follow me on Twitter at khole underscore Emily or on Instagram at nemesis underscore Emily and at delugebooks.com, of course. Of course. And yeah, we'll see you in LA. Jason and I are going to take you out for a nice little meal so we can really find out what we have in common besides, um, you know, loving D2C brands. Um, <laughs> besides our Allbirds <laughs> obsession. Yeah, besides us all having matching whoa, whoa, whoa. shoes. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, we all have the same shit. It's so weird. We are obsessed. Um, that sounds delightful. <laughs> I'm definitely going to hold you to that. And thank no, you so please, much for no. having me. This was truly a very lovely way to spend an hour and i appreciate it thank you great that's a great review thank you emily you guys buy the book and we will talk to you soon bye later